Welcome to everybody. Thanks for coming back. This is Conversations with Gabriel Cousins and myself, Richard Sachs. And there's a lot going on in the world, and Dr. Cousins is going to give us some unique insights into that today, and we're looking forward to it. So welcome, Dr. Cousins. Glad to see you again. Okay. Thank you, Richard. It's uh, really a joy to be here. Um, we are in New Zealand currently. Um, we uh, happen to be visiting uh, my wife's auntie's family in New Zealand when all this uh, happened in, in Israel. And so we are still here because we can't really get back into the country. So that's kind of our physical status. Uh, and, but I'm going to talk about it because I think it's important we really get a bigger understanding rather than just an emotional reaction of good guys and bad guys, you know, type of thinking. Uh, Before we do this, uh, we're going to do what we always do, a little dancing to raise the spiritual joy so we can think about it more clearly and approach it from a state of of, uh, inner spiritual joy and peace it allows us to get a, a bigger picture of what's going on. So we're going to do a little dance. Outside is very, very green New Zealand. It's what Waiheke Island in the Oakland Bay. Uh, we're very fortunate to be staying here with friends. And here we go.
Okay. So here I am in beautiful New Zealand. You can see the green all around. It is very green here. The greenest place I've ever seen. <clears throat> that being said, uh, I greet you all with love. And we'll start with a little prayer about merging the heavens and the earth, which is really what needs to happen. Heart and minds need to be merged. Amen. Okay, so today, given all the energies directed to the Middle East, and uh, I think it's appropriate to talk a little bit about it, trying to make some sense about it beyond good guys and bad guys, as I explained. This is a kind of much greater picture. And I've been studying it a little bit. It goes back, well, it goes back about 3,700 years. This wasn't just two weeks ago. Okay, approximately two weeks ago, November, uh, October 7th. Um, it really is uh, a historical phenomenon that's been happening. We can track it back to Yitzhak and Ishmael. Ishmael being, in a sense, uh, the father of the Arab world. And, uh, and so this... Energy, this rivalry has been going on for 3,700 years. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, let's say 3,600 years, you know, but just roughly speaking. Um, but this is what we're looking at. It isn't exactly uh, today's politics. But when we go back, we see a rivalry between these two brothers and the uh, Ishmael and his mother kind of went out into the wilderness and then he created the 12, 12 Arab tribes. And there is, again, this rivalry. Uh, so that being said, we'll fast forward it to Mark Twain. How do we get to Mark Twain? Well, Mark Twain... Uh, traveled to the Middle East in the, I don't have the exact date, the 1860s, something like that, 1856 or 57. And he described it as totally barren, a desert, an uninhabitable desert. Okay. We'll go back a little bit, we'll rewind it to 2,000 years ago, and we see what the Romans did is they decimated this area, once being fertile. They salted the, literally, literally salted the earth so people couldn't grow, destroyed, cut down all the trees, and literally decimated it because they were so... Uh, angry at the at the Jewish nation for rebelling against the not-so-benevolent Roman dictatorship and governance. 
which was making many, many people suffer. And as you know, you know, was was involved with the Pontius Pilate and Jesus. So uh, with the assassination of Jesus. So what's going on here is, okay, they destroy the land. So basically, 1,800 years later, it's still desolate. And And I cite that because I just want to make a point. It was uninhabitable desert. Soil destroyed. Okay. So now we go forward a few hundred years, uh, a little bit more to 1890s. Again, nobody is living here. There's a few people in Jerusalem. There was always a Jewish presence in Jerusalem, but it's very small. I mean, there's very few people living in this little town called Jerusalem, uh, but still existed from the for 3,700 years. So it's not like it wasn't there. Um, but basically, the land's barren. Now, in the 1890s, as anti-Semitism grew, particularly in Europe, people began to migrate, Jewish people began to migrate to Israel. And they began, and it really was before that, even as early as the 1820s, and they began to reclaim the land. Reclaim the land isn't, uh, this is my land, it's called turn the desert into a blooming, productive, agricultural paradise. Uh, So these people came to work very, very hard. Um, and along with that, uh, their productivity, they also invited uh, people from the various Arab nations around. They hired them to do some of the work, part of the work, because it was a, such a major project. And so we have the settlers uh, really... Uh, the frontier frontiersmen and women, so to speak, uh, looking at the desert, but also what they described as swamps and malaria. That was a big issue that people had to face. That literally, people were dying of malaria, but somehow they prevailed and began to plant trees and reforest the country. And that's actually a very, very big issue here is reforestation. And over the years, it truly has happened, except for the negative. But even that, you see, go down there, there's date trees, and there's there's a lot of production down there. So they took this desert, barren desert, and began to turn it into a fertile land. And it was primarily... Uh, people coming, uh, <clears throat> Jews coming from all over the world uh, as a way to escape uh, the virulent anti-Semitism. And you may think what happened in uh, 
And Gaza is something new. It's not new. Um, my father, at age 11, left Russia because the same things were going on. Uh, the gangs of the local farmers, peasants, would attack the Jewish villages and and literally kill, hang, mutilate people, rape the women. So this is not like something, oh, something exceptional. This is what's been going on for hundreds of years. Um, and that's why people came here to escape that. So slowly over time in the 1890s, uh, I don't need to mention, people begin to say, okay, let's let's return to this land that uh, biblically was given to us. Um, but it turns out that uh, the Europeans, uh, for whatever reason, by 1917, had already began to uh, create a, how do I put it, uh, documents that supported people coming, Jewish people coming back to this this barren land. And uh, so they had the British support, and it was controlled. The British had defeated the uh, Ottoman Empire, I think it was 1917, World War One, and had taken over uh, what was now called Palestine. Just go back historically, the word Palestine uh, began with the Romans. So when they conquered Israel, and not only did they salt the land, but they literally changed the name to the word Palestine. And it was named after, in a sense, Philistines. So the Philistines were in Gaza, and we hear about David and Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. Okay? These are real historical things. And they were battling from that continually. Um, and when David and Goliath, and I've been to the site where they fought. It's, it's uh, uh, where David defeated Goliath. Everything's very local. And they're, you know, um, and the Philistines had kind of invaded the mountain space uh, as part of the battle. So they were fighting. Anyway, the point is this is not a new thing. Philistines were a group of people that were seafaring warriors, and they tended to raid up and down the coast, including into Egypt. And they're a very militant group of people. They believe they're from a... I don't know exactly the island it is in Greece that they were from, but they were invaders, and they they weren't they weren't they weren't the indigenous people in any way. Um, but they began to settle on the coast, and again they attacked Egypt. They attacked the people living uh, the Jewish people living here in what they call the land of Can Canaan. Okay, so. That's where the name Philistine comes from, and it's actually this seafaring group of people, um, very warlike. Now, we kind of fast forward it back. We're back into the 1890s now, and there is a much bigger movement. And then in 1917, I can't remember the name of it now, the, 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 the British, once they captured the land, uh, made a document that 
basically, I'm going to say very generally, uh, made a, a place where Jews can migrate to. And they had controls on it, but still it was a place where they could migrate to to escape the virulent anti-Semitism from Europe and from Russia. A lot of people migrated down from Russia uh, into Israel and became productive farmers. And remember, farming was like the main thing that supported life here. Okay. So there is a growth, and along with that growth, there is also a group of the Arab population. Um, And even though there were pogroms, 1920, there was a very famous pogrom where the Arabs in Hebron uh, attacked and killed uh, many, many uh, Jewish people living in Hebron. Um, they had been sharing the space to a certain extent. Uh, they bo- okay, so now we go to 1948. Uh, we see that many, many Jewish people escaped Europe and really were directed towards uh, Israel. And so in 1948, they became a state an official nation, May 14th, 1948. Okay, and so over time, things developed, um, and at the same time, we have, well, Arabs and Jews lived comfortably and uncomfortably together, because they, everybody had to work together to a certain extent, In 1963, the PLO developed, uh, and with Yasser Arafat, and then we had a war in 1967, where all the nations attacked Israel, and that seems to be the general game plan, and Israel won that war, and then there's another war in 1973 where, again, they attacked, did a surprise attack on the holiest day of the Yom Kippur. So this game has been going on, you know, again, 3,600 years, you know, Yitzhak and Ishmael. Um, so... Although Ishmael didn't live in this area, which is known as Canaan, which is known as Israel, they lived really more in the south, in the Negev Desert, um, the 12 tribes of Ishmael, uh, rather than in the, the area from Beersheba, uh, then north of Jerusalem, then, then Tel Aviv, and, and Haifa, and Ashdod. Those are northern, really northern parts. So that's the overall picture. But in 1963, there's this additional movement. Now, that's the local history. That is not the whole story. Perhaps that's only a 
a small, not small, but it's only part of the story. There's another part of the story which is far more significant, is that what we would call the Illuminati out of Europe, and, and there's good evidence that Israel is still controlled by by very wealthy uh, powers like the Rothschilds, whose name is all over Israel, um, out of England. Uh, and now uh, that may seem like, oh, Israel's independence. You know, when we kind of go a little bit deeper, it's not so independent. Not as independent as people would like to think it is. So we have power plays going on around controlling the Middle East. And then, of course, the oil then changes that story, and the U.S. gets more involved with that. And and so there are resources here. There's natural gas, there's oil, and there's the natural effort to control uh, the, well, with the British Empire, and then eventually first the Turkish Empire, Ottoman Turks, then the British Empire, and those forces are still happening. So we can't understand what happened on October 7th in Gaza on the border with Israel without understanding there are many forces behind this who are making the decisions of what's happening. And then we really can't understand it if we don't see a global picture. So in 1871, uh, Bishop Arab Pike, who was part of or, or the head of, let me make it simple, kind of a Scottish Masonic um, organization in, in the world, uh, made a, wrote a letter, uh, which you can see, you know, it's available on the internet, um, that said that in 1871, his People, obviously paraphrasing it, he says there'll be, uh, we are going to organize three world wars, World War One, which they did. And what he meant, we're going to organize, he said, we're going to control both sides. There's ample evidence that that is the case. Okay, there's ample evidence that uh, the funding came for, uh, for both sides came from the, in the sense, what we would call the Illuminati, you know. And then World War II, same thing. And then the third war, he predicted, would be the, I'm going to say it in a different way, uh, the uh, non-believers and the Jewish and the Christian world versus the Muslim world, and that would be a worldwide struggle. Okay, so this is all planned, okay? 1871, <clears throat> this has been planned a while ago, okay? Uh, if we do the math, it's 150 years ago. I think that's roughly 100, yeah. So this is the game plan that's been unfolding, controlled by the Illuminati, Okay, and they're controlling both sides. So if we think, oh, it's Israel versus 
you know, Hamas. This is not what's going on. We're talking about a world uh, domination. And so bringing the world into chaos. So what does Hamas say? Remember, Hamas is working for bigger powers, even beyond Iran, okay? You know, we're going to disrupt every nation. We're going to have our sleeper cells activate and disrupt. So why, why is that important? Because the fourth step in the plan is for the New World Order people to, to come in and say, well, we will bring order to this world. This is out of hand. People aren't feeling safe. There's disruptions all over the world. And we will bring a one world government into this picture. And that's what Albert Pike, Bishop Albert Pike, said in 1871. That's the game plan. So you got to get there's a bigger game plan. So what happened on October 7th, 2023, is just the starting point of the of the game plan of World War Three, which is what was predicted, which was predicted they would do. You know, uh, the and basically I'll call it the Illuminati as part of their plan to take over and control the world and create a one world government, uh, and as stated under Satan. Okay, a one world government under Satan under the energies of Satan. That's really what they talked about. I'm I'm not uh, adding that for drama. So when we look at that bigger picture, we begin to understand what happened on October 7, 2023 is a small part of the picture. And this is uh, their efforts of the Illuminati to spread this literally around the world, and so we'll see that happening. And Hamas is just saying, well, we're going to ferment that. Well, Hamas isn't that powerful, but they are backed by very, very, very powerful uh, world behind-the-scenes leaders. So that gives you, again, a, a a bigger picture of this story. And so now uh, I'm going to invite Richard in to make some comment. I, I kind of went a little bit longer uh, because I really wanted people to get this is a way bigger picture than some border dispute between Israel and Hamas. So, Richard, let's hear from you. Sure. Yeah, that was a good background, Gabriel. And uh, easily this could go into the next show because there's a lot of material. But I think what you're doing is bringing up um, dichotomies, you know, where two sides are working against each other and being part of it. It's an illusion of a dichotomy. Right. But I and I agree with that at a deeper level, too. But two other dichotomies that need to be um, brought up because to a great extent, they're very substantial. And one of them is the satanic plan against life with the satanic plan on one side and life on the other side that's a pretty real dichotomy i I agree with that right but Mm -hmm. on a deeper level i would take a dissenting view and say that it's it's also an illusion but you have to go very deep to find that god is the only reality 
But short of that, it's a, it's a real dichotomy. Now, the other dichotomy that needs to be mentioned and brought into play in the whole thing is um, within the side of humanity, we've been taught for tens of thousands of years, maybe longer, that it has to be us against them. And even God has no option but to curse, destroy, and kill the bad guys. There's no peace. There's no resolution. There's no harmony. There's no goal that you can achieve like the world peace meditation is working for. You just have to kill all the bad guys. And when major belief systems in the West, at least, and other places too, believe that even God can only kill the bad people and that's the best he can do, then they say, well, if we do that, like Hamas did against Israel on the 7th, we're, we're doing God's work. Because we've got this, this model that the unacceptable humans have to be slaughtered. And most major belief systems in the West believe that in some way. And they set out the group that is subhuman and it's okay to annihilate. And there's, an, there's that vision, that paradigm of kill the bad guys. And then on the other side, there's the paradigm of world peace meditation. And that's saying there's a change in consciousness that can eliminate that paradigm and change, convert, transmute bad guys into harmony. And that's way above the idea that they have to be slaughtered. And so the dichotomy I'm bringing up is which paradigm will humanity ultimately invest in? And we're going to find out shortly. Yeah, I mean, my obviously point is we have to go... Uh, above the illusion of the dichotomy to see the oneness. That's the only way this is going yeah. to be resolved. In, yeah. in a, in a way. Right. And the, and the illusion is powerful enough to get people to kill each other. And we're saying, break the illusion, stop the slaughter because that never ends, and bring in harmony and something higher. And that's the test. So that's what has been created, and it's up for us not to allow this game plan of the Illuminati to come to fulfillment. Right, because we're the ones they're counting on to carry it out. Right. And also, ultimately, to be enslaved at the point of it. Right. This is why this, you know, it's so easy to go into the polarity of who's right, who's wrong, you know, and yeah. get around that. And you see people demonstrating all over the world about these things. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't what's happening. They're I mean, it's a very limited understanding. They're totally taking on the paradigm of us versus them. And right. them is always subhuman. Each belief system sets out a group they call subhuman, and it's even God wants them killed. So when the Hamas people get trained, which for this operation they probably did for a year or two, they're trained... At least two years. They claim at least two years. Two years. They're trained that the Israeli citizens, mothers and kids and men, that they're going to slaughter are actually subhuman and God hates them, so it's okay. And now the Israeli government 
and I just read a quote from maybe the president or somebody pretty high up saying that no civilians that stay behind in Gaza where they're being blocked in should be spared. They all need to be killed because they're animals. And it's the same mentality, even though it started with self-defense, now it's getting into that paradigm. Slaughter them all because they're not human. And I'm seeing well, test rising I'm going to just say, make a little correction of that. Okay. President Herzog, President yes. Israel, basically said everyone is complicit. Yes, which means that people are in Israel are complicit with whatever atrocities are done by that government, too. Yes, that's, that's right. So he didn't say animals. He never said anything like that. He just said everyone is complicit. It's part of the culture. And if you look at the history books, you will see the uh, even the UN-based history books have virulent anti-Semitism in it, and that's been a controversy for years. So he's saying, yeah, the whole Gazan uh, population is involved, is behind, and and completely supports Hamas. I mean, there are some dissident, but as he pointed out, the overall majority um, supports the actions of Hamas. So that's what he meant by complicit. But he never said people are animals. He never. But he, he did say that. Therefore, that they have to be all be killed. Yes, he did. He said that, this is war. This is a war to the death. Right, right, and it's not. That's not self-defense. And well, from 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 a Israeli point of view, after all, you you know, so many people were slaughtered, and it is self-defense. He said there. This here's what he kind of meant, just to be clear. Uh, historically, this battle has been going on for quite a while. Right, it has not been resolved. They created Gaza. Let's hope that we can live side by side and be okay. That obviously doesn't work. The two-state solution clearly has failed. Okay? The, way they, said, the way they've been doing it, that's true, with that consciousness, no. Right. And the world doesn't add a higher consciousness. So he said two-state solution hasn't worked. The people, Hamas, wants to destroy us and totally. Because that's what they say. It's not like... Um, projecting, they've said, you know, from the river to the sea, everybody's gone. So that's what they've said. That is their game plan. And so he has said, I acknowledge that that's their game plan. If that's the game plan, we have to protect ourselves. And In other words, out. that's the paradigm that I'm talking about. That yes. It's possible. The solution, the solution is killed. The solution is kill all the bad guys, and right. I'm saying that's the wrong paradigm. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm totally agreeing with you, but I'm trying to get clear about what was said. Yeah, the quote I read may have been inaccurate. It was inaccurate because yeah. I heard what you said. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. And it's the same issue. We're still dealing with a polarity paradigm: kill or be killed. Exactly, and it's all through ancient history. You know, it's saying even God says that's the only way you can do it. And that's all in not just the scriptures of Islam, it's in the Bible. It's absolutely, it's, absolutely. You know, and, and both sides are saying 
the only solution, to, you know, it's not just Israel and Gaza, but the world in general, is, you know, God says, kill all the other side. And the other scripture says, God says, kill all the other side. And so they both got religious justification. And they want to come in and do God's work and kill each other. And I'm saying, there's another whole paradigm, which is what you're trying to do with the world peace idea. Exactly. You know, because in the end, we all have to work together to uplift the planet. Yeah, unless we just want to see the New World Order extermination plan come to fruition, which I don't think is a good plan. Well, worse than that, a good plan. It's a terrible plan, because it's a plan for the complete domination and a segment of right. 90% of humanity. And it can't happen if we don't go along with it. Right. And that's what we're, this is what this program is about, actually, is making that point. So we can't say, oh, good guys, bad guys, Israel and Hamas, you know, you know that is a microscopic view. It misses the big picture. Which is yeah, in World War II, which was also orchestrated and funded both sides. Correct. Um, both sides were taught. Japan was taught that the Americans were subhuman and needed to be killed. And that was proven by what they were doing to Japan. And the Americans were taught that the Japanese were subhuman and needed to be put in camps. It's the same paradigm over and over again. Right. So what we're bringing forth in this program is a, a new paradigm of a kind of higher evolutionary state, which is we're all one. We need to figure out that we're all one. And in that oneness created a much healthier vibration for the world. Right. So all we have to do is demonstrate. Take yeah. it finally from belief into practice. Right. So we have uh, reached the end of the hour. We really hope that you just get this one point that we're all one and not get hooked into a polarity, which is a much lower vibration, and we can feel justified with the whole thing. But the bigger picture is for us to uplift the vision of humanity. That's what I try to do with the world peace meditation, which we do Israel time, but it's worldwide, at 6.15 p.m., uh, and we, we meditate for world peace and create a vision for world peace. Yeah, 6.30 is when we start the meditation, 6.30 is when we begin talking about it. So we have the power to make this happen, but we have to apply that power. So I invite you all to join us for that. Uh, and I bless everyone. <laughs> that we begin to see our oneness and our unity as humans and oneness and our unity with all of creation. Amen. Aho. Om Takiyashin. Shalom. 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 Om Shanti. 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 And I thank Richard and I thank Doug for uh, making this whole little sharing happen. Shanti meaning peace too. 
Shakti means peace. Yeah, it's 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 uh, Sanskrit for peace. Right. Thank you, Doctor Cousins. That was great. A lot to go over in a short time, and I would just reiterate that um, it's real simple. Which paradigm do we choose? Us against them, and and this is not negating the need for self-defense. That's legitimate, and no government has the right to take that away. But that's not the final answer to the question. Can we rise above us against them, both sides feeling like they're doing God's work by killing each other? And can we see that that's complete illusion and something designed to hurt us, drop it, and realize, wow, we're all spiritual beings, we're all humans. Um, love each other as ourselves and the God that we all came from, no matter what our belief happens to be. All we have to do is do that. And I'm taking that, not just talking to you, but myself too. This is the job we have. And this is the time we have to do it. We don't know how much time is allocated right now. We can't wait on the world leaders to do it because they're obviously working consciously or unconsciously for the other side. It's up to us. It's up to you and to me. And uh, hook on to the highest inspiration we've got and take it from belief into practice. And it has to happen now. So my invitation is let's all do that. And I'll do it with you. I'll see you in Planetary Healing Club and Lost Arts Radio and uh, all of Dr. Cousins' programs at drcousins.com, treeoflife.co.mn.co. And um, the time matters now. Let's use it well. We'll see you next time. Take care.